0: Live from New York, I'm Richard Quest, in for Julia Chatley today. This is First Move and here's your need to know. It is a holiday like no other. Americans are giving thanks as the pandemic rages in the United States. Concern in South Korea, COVID cases are rising to their highest levels since March. And counting the economic cost, Disney has announced more coronavirus layoffs. It's Thursday, let's make a move. A very good day to you and a warm welcome. Happy Thanksgiving, if that is what you are celebrating. Because it is Thanksgiving in the United States, the U.S. stock markets are closed for the national holiday. They will reopen on Friday and then it will just be a half day's trading through until to the weekend. Before traders went home, the Nasdaq closed at a record. It was up the best part of half a percent. The Dow and the S&P 500, they moved away from their records. The Dow closing under 30,000 and ended the day just a touch lower. Numbers were relatively small, all things considered. And so the markets that are trading and doing business in Europe and Asia, the markets opened as normal, of course, on Thursday. In London, it is the FTSE, which is the laggard. It's down nearly half a percent against the Paris Cat Courant, which is almost unchanged, and the Zetra Dax, which is up just a smidgen. In London, the British government has announced details on restrictions that will be put in place in London and elsewhere in England when the national English lockdown ends next week. To Asia, and the Nikkei had a solid session, rising to a 30-year high. That's the markets. That's the way they're looking. Now... Right, to the drivers. Millions of people will be giving thanks here in the United States, whilst at the same time grappling with the reality of the coronavirus pandemic. Nearly 90,000 Americans are to spend this holiday in hospital suffering from the virus. And there are more than 262,000 people who have died since the outbreak began. The CDC is projecting another 60,000 lives likely will be lost over the next three weeks. From Miami, Rosa Flores reports.
1: Thanksgiving is a holiday typically spent together. But as the coronavirus cases and hospitalizations reach record levels across the United States, health experts are urging Americans to stay apart this year to help prevent the spread of the disease.
2: We all know how difficult that is because this is such a beautiful traditional holiday. But by making that sacrifice, you're going to be prevent people from getting infected.
1: Millions taken to the skies anyway, ignoring warnings from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And those decisions are expected to spark a massive spike in new infections.
3: People have to stop swapping air. It's just that simple. Uh, And if we don't, we're going to see many, many of our friends, colleagues and loved ones ending up in a hospital. And unfortunately, some of them not making it.
1: Nearly 90,000 people are now hospitalized with the coronavirus. And on Wednesday, over 2,100 people died from the disease for the second day in a row, the highest since May. One health expert fearing the death toll will keep increasing.
2: So I expect that the daily death rate will double in the next uh, 10 days. So we'll be seeing close to 4,000 deaths a day.
1: With new coronavirus deaths rising in at least 39 states this morning, a last chance plea from some political leaders asking residents to make smart decisions.
4: Unless uh, there are family members who have been with you or with you every single day, uh, we're asking people not to congregate uh, in large numbers.
5: Strict adherence to these protocols will be more critical than ever in the coming days.
1: But after emphasizing avoiding travel to Denver residents,
6: I'm asking, I'm urging, I'm pleading with everyone, please stay home.
1: Mayor Michael Hancock now asking for forgiveness for flying out of state to celebrate Thanksgiving with family members. And for many, food insecurity is their reality this holiday season, with long lines at food banks stretched thin, helping those struggling from the economic fallout of the pandemic. We're seeing thousands of people, many whom have never had to go to a food pantry before. In a year with so much loss, President-elect Joe Biden giving this message to the nation.
3: Every decision we make can save lives. None of these steps we're asking people to take are
0: political statements. Every one of them is based on science. Joe Biden finishing that report from Rosa Flores. Now to uh, South Korea, where health officials are reporting the highest number of new COVID cases since the 1st of March. Paul Hancock is with me. And I guess what I'm always keen to understand from countries that did relatively well and are now suddenly suffering, what's believed to be where they went wrong?
7: Well, Richard, it's important to put it in context when it comes to South Korea. Yes, this is the worst it's been in eight months, 583 new cases for Wednesday. But of course, when you compare that to other countries, that's still minimal. But it's high for South Korea. And health officials are concerned at this point because they believe that this wave, they they say this is the third wave, could actually be worse than the, the first two waves. One of the issues, of course, is we're coming into winter. South Korea has a cold winter, so everybody is moving indoors. And they say the issue with this time around as well is that there are many different small outbreaks across the capital, Seoul. This is where the majority of the cases are. In the previous two waves, you had one or two main epicenters, and that makes it a lot easier to contact trace and try and contain that outbreak. It's much more difficult when there are little fires everywhere around Seoul uh, trying to contact. Contact trace and trying to put that into perspective. But of course, health officials have increased social distancing. They've increased. They've actually announced an emergency period until the end of the year. Uh, but they say that things will get worse before they get better. It could be next week at least until they see whether those restrictions uh, have actually had the desired effect. Richard, I,
0: And the next set of restrictions would be what? If this doesn't work, what's the, what's the next in the cards?
7: Well, we're level two at the moment, which means clubs and bars are shut, cafes are takeout only. Everyone who is in an inside facility has to wear a mask. Otherwise you're fined around $90 if you're caught. Uh, although most people do wear masks in South Korea. If it goes up another level, there are five tiers within South Korea. That's when the economy really starts to suffer. That's when you see restaurants, uh, for example, having to shut down at this point. They only only after 9pm have to go to a takeout or delivery uh, system only. And you've got the public transport starting to shut down from 9pm onwards. Now, the one thing it will mean as well, of course, is for churches, religious services, they can only have 20% capacity at this point, and they're urged to go completely online, but they're not forced to at this point. Now, remember, the past couple of waves, that has been where some of these big epicenters has been when it's come to religious services. That, of course, would go to mandating uh, that that services have to be online completely. Richard? Richard?
0: Paul well, Hancock, who is in Seoul in South Korea, where it's late into the evening, we've looked at the situation in the United States and in Asia. Now to Europe, where Germany's coronavirus restrictions are likely to continue into next year, according to the Chancellor, Angela Merkel. Germany's imposed a partial lockdown, a mini lockdown, a lockdown light, as they call it, a month ago. The Chancellor says that led to a 40% reduction in contacts. Fred Pleikens in Berlin joins me now. Fred, um, it's, it's not perhaps surprising that the restrictions or some restrictions will obviously go into next year since we're already just about at December. But how serious will those restrictions need to be in the new year? Well, I think,
8: Richard, that they're going to be fairly serious and they're certainly going to be very serious until the end of the year, because one of the things that I think the chancellor is finding out is while well, you're absolutely right that uh, the new infections are not rising as quickly as they did before. I think she said, yeah, 40 percent less than they were rising before. They certainly aren't going down either. I took at the number, a look at the numbers earlier this morning and the amount of new daily coronavirus restrictions was about 22,500 exactly the same number as one week ago. And of course, as the chancellor said yesterday after those long negotiations, that simply isn't good enough. Now those light lockdown restrictions are gonna be extended until at least December 20th. Then you're probably gonna see a little period of easing around Christmas if things go well, and then they're gonna go back into force. at the beginning of the new year, that's currently somewhat the plan of the German government. Meaning the lockdown restrictions you currently have and then some additional things like, for instance, additional mask mandates in highly frequented areas, fewer contacts between people, only five people being allowed to be together in a private setting and also fewer people allowed in stores, which of course is very important, especially as we're looking to folks now possibly trying to go shopping for Christmas if they're not doing it online, Richard.
0: Uh, Fred, um, briefly, has Germany now put in place its final version of its Christmas plan? Uh, I'm seeing everywhere, you know, Ireland I was hearing yesterday, uh, Leo Varadkar, the deputy premier in Ireland, summed it up, he says, we have to do these Christmas uh, reductions because people will just ignore us Mm -hmm. anyway.
8: Well, you know what, it's a very interesting question, I think a very important one, and I think one of the things that you're talking about is absolutely correct. The one thing a lot of European governments keep talking about is Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. We somehow have to save Christmas, and that's exactly the case here in Germany as well. And if you heard Angela Merkel speak yesterday, she said we have to put more restrictions in place now to be able to somehow salvage Christmas. One of the things, however, they did say is that they're going to take a look at these numbers again in the middle of December, and if they've significantly gone down, then maybe there are certain that could take place but she really wasn't confident that that was going to happen so right now it looks as though at least until December 20th a couple of days before Christmas things seem to be fairly set right now as to how the restrictions are going to be and of course Angela Merkel hopes to ease them a little bit for Christmas itself to give people at least some semblance of a Christmas but again if the numbers do stay the way they are right now if they don't go out things could stay even more restrictive than planned.
0: Pep who is in Berlin, the German capital, and it's from Berlin to Paris, where we go next. And the second French Covid-19 lockdown has been hitting the restaurant sector particularly hard. However, some businesses are finding ways to survive, as CNN's Melissa Bell reports from the French capital.
9: Paris may be locked down, but you will find the doors of some of its restaurants open. Take Le Baratin a bistro in the east of the city loved by the late Anthony Bourdain.
6: Superb, imaginative food and fantastic wine.
9: These days, you can't drink and eat here as Bourdain did. Restaurants have been closed by the second partial lockdown this year. But this time round, Raquel Carrena is back in her kitchen. This time, we decided
7: to do takeaway, to try and be close to the people of the neighbourhood. Also, to avoid sitting around doing nothing,
9: Raquel says that the first lockdown saw her turnover fall by 60%. The lunchtime takeaway she's put in place this time should help a little. But that's not the only reason she's looking forward to the end of this lockdown. When we cook, we have to look
7: at the people. And that's changed now. When I used to see my customers, I asked them to tell me the truth. It's a bit dry, they would say, so I'd make something else. We've lost that luxury now. Still, Raquel
9: is one of the lucky ones. Unions say that two out of every three establishments in France's hotel and restaurant sector could be forced out of business by the pandemic. According to France's health minister, restaurants will not be opening in December, which means that Raquel's carefully crafted dishes will continue to be served in cardboard boxes and paper bags for a while longer. Melissa Bell, CNN,
5: Paris.
0: What this all actually means in terms of the economy and what happens with jobs. Pandemic-related job losses are continuing to mount, certainly as second and third lockdowns now are introduced. Disney says it will lay off 32,000 employees in the coming months. 32,000. That's 4,000 more than the company had previously announced. CNN's John Defterius is with me. Uh, What part of the Disney empire will most of these jobs be? If I recall, it's, it, it's, the, it's the parks really, isn't it? Where there are large numbers, but, but now we're getting more job losses. So where are they going to be from?
2: Well, you're right, Richard, in the theme parks, but also you have to remember this is a a company that has exposure to the cruise line business and also hotels, right? So anything uh, consumer-facing is going to suffer. As you said, it's a boost up from the 28,000 to 32,000. Let's not forget, though, they furloughed 37,000 workers uh, just over a month ago in October. So all this enthusiasm, Richard, we had over the last 10 days about the vaccines coming out from... uh, you know, Pfizer Moderna, Oxford, we already have it in China and Russia. Why don't we have this momentum coming forward with Disney? we had this march to 30,000 on the Dow on Monday. And we had this rotation into consumer facing stocks like Disney was up almost 5% on the day. That looks premature then if you lift up the hood here and look at the numbers carefully they're talking about suspending pension payments holding off medical payments for employees they already suspended the dividend and that may be extended even longer so they are suffering in the cruise line business beyond the theme parks of course and finally in in the cinema business it's suffering they had to hold back black widow which is supposed to be a major blockbuster a lot of investment they're having to delay it because there's nobody in the cinema. So where can you find a good division for Disney at this stage is the real question.
0: Uh, I, I suppose Disney Plus arguably because the sort of people watch it uh, at home, as you say. Uh, but, but, John, when I hear these job losses and these numbers from companies like Disney, I, I'm sort of not surprised. I mean, there's only so long that a company can continue to employ uh, people when there is, the business just isn't there unless... In the united states case there is another stimulus package or governments come to the rescue elsewhere around the world
2: well that's the other question richard we have more legs or more fire into the stimulus packages here in 2021 the argument would probably be it's necessary but i think actually to your point here i think the bar is too high on expectations with regards to the vaccines coming to the market uh the travel sector tourism uh the hotel years are all suffering in such a radical way. And I think the rule of thumb has been in 2020 for the pandemic, you have to trim your workforce 25 or 30%. Perhaps Disney thought with the experiments that they did in Asia in Hong Kong and Shanghai and Japan, it worked, they're stayed open, but they don't have the COVID spikes that we see in Europe with Disney Paris shutting down, the theme park, the fabled one in Southern California suffering as well. So it's not too surprising what does surprise me, though, as I said, you bring up this idea of pensions, medical payments, holding back dividends for even longer, Richard. That's rather alarming for a company that's in the Dow 30 with expectations that we were going to be past the worst of it when the vaccines start to roll out to the market. It doesn't seem so at this stage.
0: John, um, happy Thanksgiving, as the American on the programme this morning. Thank you uh, Happy Thanksgiving and thank you for coming in and doing duty this morning. John Notarius uh, joining us. Now to the stories making headlines around the world. Fans are forming long lines at the presidential palace in Buenos Aires where they're paying tribute to the Argentine football legend Diego Maradona. The 60-year-old is lying in honour after he died from a suspected heart attack on Wednesday. World sports. Alex Thomas joins us. Uh, well, Alex, there are, there are uh, the, the fingers of one hand, and possibly over uh, half of them not working. To for the number of football players around the world that would get this sort of response when they pass.
10: Yeah, and indeed, any sort of sporting icons. Muhammad Ali passed away four years ago. Richard. And I'm not sure there was quite the global reaction we've seen over Maradona's death, which, considering Ali's many achievements away from the boxing ring, as well as what he did in it, is quite something. Uh, Yes, you're saying, and you're quite right to say, queues, hours of queues outside the presidential palace where Maradona's body is lying in honour there. Uh, There are three days of national mourning taking place in Argentina. His burial may take place, we're hearing in the last hour, as soon as later on Thursday. All the flags in the nation are flying at half-mast. Astonishing when you think it's for someone that was born to relative poverty in uh, Villa Forita on the outskirts of Buenos Aires. Maradona retaining that working-class hero status throughout his career, really, an anti-establishment figure, a street brawler who was nonetheless balletic on the pitch with some incredible achievements, the most notable being leading his country to World Cup glory in 1986. They got to the final again four years later, twice he was sold for world record transfer fees and he brought to the city of Naples in the south of Italy, Napoli, their football club, two Italian championships They've never won before or since then. And he was voted the greatest footballer of the 20th century jointly with Pelé, who he had a slightly fractious relationship with at times. They seem to have made amends in recent years, though.
0: It was the astonishing way in which even in later years and certainly in failing health, he still kept managing teams. He still kept with the game.
10: His love of the game... I think is one of the reasons he was so popular, despite being a man that had very much two sides of his personal coin. On the field, a talent without equal, you could argue, and many will. And away from the field, problems that started when he moved to Napoli, which is a city with an edge, I heard it described earlier today, beautiful but with an edge, organised crime. Maradona started uh, having problems with cocaine addiction then, Alcohol addictions followed later on in life after the end of his career as well. His weight ballooned. He had heart problems in and out of hospital. But as recently as Russia 2018, the World Cup there a couple of years ago, you saw him in the stands cheering on Argentina as passionately as any fan would. And I think it's that love of the game that has inspired love in those that love to watch him play. Richard?
0: Alex, Alex Thomas uh, for us on Diego Maradona. As we continue on First Move, a German firm is trialling a vaccine that can be stored at room temperature for up to 24 hours. Now, that is a considerable benefit. The CEO of CureVac is with me after the break. Also, Canada's new coronavirus challenge. Cases are spiking despite a safety plan called the Atlantic bubble. We'll explain in a moment. German biotech firm CureVac is working on a COVID 19 vaccine. It's in mid stage testing. Now, like Pfizer and Moderna, CureVac's candidate uses the mRNA technology. However, unlike its rivals, it can remain stable for up to 24 hours at room temperature. Joining me, Franz Werner Haas, the CEO of CureVac. Um, Update me, please, on where you are and where CureVac is in the testing process, please.
4: Hi, Richard. So we are just just in front of starting our uh, pivotal trial, which is a phase two B three clinical trial, which is the relevant trial before approval, emergency approval most probably first.
0: Um, Realistically, From your experience, you would say that puts you going for approval, assuming all goes well. Go on, I'll throw in all the caveats. Uh, Assuming all goes well and there are no problems, that would put you on track for emergency use approval authorization when? Spring, middle of next year?
4: Well, we we are uh, now starting to recruit up to 36,000 vaccinees and uh, we are planning to file this emergency or this uh, rolling uh, submission in the first quarter of next year. And then we expect in the beginning of the second quarter that there should be this emergency uh, um, uh, approval, depending on the data, of course.
0: To those of us who are not familiar with the vaccine world, of which I certainly count myself, I, you know, I hear Moderna has got there. I hear Pfizer's got there. I hear now, of course, Oxford and AstraZeneca's got there. And I think, well, the race is over. I mean, what are all these people like CureVac carrying on for? Uh, We've got the winners and we've got two or three or four of them. Why do we need more?
4: Well, first of all, the winner uh, is, well, the entire globe, the society, if there is enough vaccine at the end of the day to fight this pandemic outbreak. Therefore, it's much more a race against the virus and the time. And even in the beginning, even with Pfizer and Moderna and all the others who aren't start, and hopefully all of them will make it, there needs to be a mass immunization. So everyone needs to be or close to everyone needs to be uh, immunized, uh, have a vaccine. And there is not enough vaccine in the in the beginning. It's like a journey. You start with the first step, and uh, there is not enough vaccine available globally. That's one thing. The other thing is, most probably, the vaccines will have different properties. And therefore, it's good that you have got more than only one shot sure. or two shot or even three shots on gold.
0: So, the ability of CureVax, COVID vaccine, uh, prospective vaccine, to be transported at refrigerated, not deep uh, cold temperatures. And this this interesting idea of it being able to remain at room temperature for 24 hours, that gives you a sizable uh, improvement on the mRNA over your competitors.
4: Yes, that's true. Also comes to your first quest, uh, question. If there is even enough vaccines, how are you going to distribute it if you have got right. such a deep frozen... Uh, material you need to have all the facilities there most probably you have to deal with centers because this is exactly there but to vaccinate more and and quickly uh, then it's certainly advantageous to have fridge temperature to go to the different kind of even private practices and then to have the syringe lying out there for uh, vaccine campaigns for example but then for 24 hours even at room temperature, gives you really the property to vaccinate as as fast as possible
0: So the the relationship with Elon Musk and the the printing of the vaccine that that, that Tesla is proposing to do, how significant you talked of. You just mentioned there about the the significance of distribution. You've got to make it and you've got to make it in large numbers even before you transport it. How important is the Musk link?
4: Well, uh, you're absolutely right. At the moment, uh, you know, RNA, there is no product approved for mRNA. And therefore, the capacity when all of this started, we are producing now mRNA since 2006, but certainly not in kind of volumes what we are needing and in need right now. So everyone is scaling up, which is the facilities which are going to stay even after COVID. And therefore, the other idea is what if you can produce exactly these quantities? And we are talking per dose only on microgram. One microgram is just one millionth part of a, a gram. So if you can produce every week one gram in cities like Wuhan or in other cities in university hospitals with these kind of mobile Uh, um, manufacturing Mm. units. That's the idea behind. So then you can even shortcut the logistics.
0: Good to have you, sir. Thank you. Let's talk more as this goes on. I'm grateful for for, for you coming on this morning's program. Franz Werner Haas, the CEO of uh, CureVac. In a moment after the break, reasons to be thankful, and there are plenty of them. President-elect Joe Biden has called for unity in an opinion piece on CNN.com. You'll hear the message and we'll discuss it after the break. Welcome back to First Move. I'm Richard Quest in for Julia Chatterley. It's Thanksgiving, so there's no opening bell. The markets in the United States are closed, and it'll be a short day tomorrow on Friday, just half a day's trading. President-elect Joe Biden is urging Americans to come together in a different way and fight the pandemic.
3: I know the country has grown weary of the fight. We need to remember we're at war with the virus, not with one another, not with each other. This is the moment where we need to steel our spines, redouble our efforts, and recommit ourselves to the fight. Let's remember, we're all in this together.
0: Now, Joe Biden echoed that message in a, a new op-ed on CNN.com. Olet Sands is with us from Delaware with more. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And thank you for, for doing duty uh, this morning, obviously, as the transition moves forward. And the, the, the speech yesterday or the, the, the address yesterday was very measured. It was it was a fireplace address without the fireplace. And this morning's op-ed, again, very folksy the Biden family traditions.
11: Yes, Richard, what you have President-elect Joe Biden here is issuing this call for unity, but also putting it in very personal terms and in that CNN op-ed that he wrote in addition to a video that they just released. The Biden family talked about uh, the shared sacrifices that they are also making this holiday season, that it's a different Biden-style Thanksgiving than normal, which is what everyone across this country is facing right now as they've adapted their holiday plans due to the coronavirus pandemic. And you heard Biden talk about how there's millions of Americans across the country who are spending this Thanksgiving in a much much smaller environment than they have before. And he also, in this op-ed, expressed gratitude from the front for the frontline healthcare workers, for teachers who are teaching in virtual formats, for parents who are trying to balance their families uh, in the middle of this pandemic. And it really presents a stark contrast to President Trump, who has not really offered any empathy uh, for those that have lost loved ones as coronavirus cases are spiking across the United States. And also while the president continues to cast doubt about this election, you heard Biden yesterday say that one thing that Americans should be thankful for is democracy, that ability to vote and the power of a vote. And Biden today in that op ed just once again talking about this shared sacrifice, that collective fight that Americans need to wage in order to combat the pandemic.
0: Thank you, stands in Delaware for us. Michael Osterholm is a member of Joe Biden's COVID advisory team. He was with me last night on Quest Means Business, and I asked him whether or not and how the team was going to move forward with grim warnings. We are
3: entering the very darkest days of this pandemic. In fact, the most dangerous public health moments since 1918 and the swine flu pandemic but we also have a very, very bright light at the end of the tunnel with these vaccines. We need to get from where we're at today, where we are in a raging pandemic, to where we can get to vaccines in the next uh, several months and actually uh, reduce that risk dramatically with those vaccines. So I think what he laid out was one of science-based approach and one of, of if I had to say it, and, and, and I'm a non-partisan guy, I've served roles right. in the last five presidential administrations. This was an FDR moment, I think.
0: An FDR moment for Fireside Chat, and the delivery was certainly that uh, today, and we can expect more. You talk about 1918. Let's look at the chart of 1918, which I just happen to have just uh, close, uh, close to me here. Uh, if, if we can if we look at it. Look, they got it right in the sense of they, they, they dealt with the first bit in Philadelphia, and then it went horribly wrong in the middle of 19 because they just didn't follow through. Have we made exactly the same mistake again.
3: No, we haven't made the same mistake again. There is a one slight difference. In 1918, the virus would come into a community and be gone within six to 10 weeks with another wave to appear months later. They didn't understand uh, the, the epidemiology or the way that the virus was transmitted. We're in a different kind of pandemic. We've not really had this virus let up attacking us since it first emerged in Wuhan back in December. And so here we now sit literally in our 11th month of this pandemic, causing great pandemic fatigue. People are tired. People felt like they have already done everything they could. And now what we need to do is get them to the finish line where we have a vaccine. We need to try to keep people with us and understanding why are we trying to reduce transmission, not just to save our hospitals, which we're trying to do that, but also because the promise is they will have these vaccines at the end. They didn't have that in 1918. We do have that, and that's what makes this all the more reason why to prevent transmission so that we can get people to a healthy state without having to be ill.
0: Canada's so-called Atlantic bubble has allowed 2.5 million people to live almost coronavirus-free, I say almost. It's a pact between four provinces on the Atlantic coast, and the nub of it was to allow free movement between the provinces, with strict restrictions on anyone coming from outside the area. However, as Covid cases have spiked in Canada, that bubble could be about to burst. CNN's Paula Newton reports from Montreal.
5: For six months, Canada's Atlantic bubble has been a sanctuary. Nearly two and a half million people living mostly COVID free.
7: It doesn't really matter. Like I get to have more than that, too. But.
5: Just listen to Erica Baker, a child psychologist and mother of three, getting her kids ready to go to school.
11: Right now, things have been very uh, normal for them. It's been wonderful. Normal. Wonderful, even. The bubble has made it
5: possible. Bye, guys. At its outer edge, the Atlantic bubble is just a six-hour drive from Boston, but a world away from the current COVID reality. It includes four provinces, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and Newfoundland and Labrador. Going into the bubble from anywhere, even the rest of Canada, you have to quarantine for 14 days. And then mask mandates, distancing, aggressive testing, and contact tracing have kept
11: cases near zero or close to it for months. We've had exceptional leadership. They have provided us with the right information so far and I don't think that there's any reason to not trust that they're going to do the right things moving forward as well.
5: That leadership is about to be tested. As cases rise into the dozens, even here, they're acting fast.
6: Yes, because you look elsewhere, a small number of cases left unchecked explodes into a very large number of cases. Your healthcare system starts to get overwhelmed. You have lots of unavoidable severe illness and and, and death. And we see that uh, in other places, and we're, we're doing everything we can to avoid that.
5: Dr. Robert Strang is Nova Scotia's chief medical officer and so-called caretaker of the bubble. He's putting in place more restrictions to indoor dining and shopping, and now quarantine-free travel to other provinces inside the bubble will have to end for a while. For this retired senior amateur musician and one of the vulnerable, the bubble hasn't burst It's just adapting to what he calls the tsunami of cases all around.
2: I actually feel that the Atlantic bubble has been moderately successful at postponing the inevitable.
5: Health experts say that has saved lives. There is another side, though, to the success of the Atlantic bubble, especially because of the quarantine. Some argue the sacrifice has been too great, the hit to the economy too severe. We caught up with Jennifer Hutton at Montreal's airport, going back into the bubble, staring down her eleventh quarantine. As an IT specialist, she has to travel for work, and is thankful for the bubble. But
11: it affected my well-being, my sleeping, my marriage, because when you're isolating over and over again, and you can't go out into public um, in your own home, like you, you know, you feel trapped, and, and being trapped is not a nice feeling.
5: For now, though, those in the bubble are acting fast to adapt to more restrictions, hoping it will strengthen people's resolve to fight on even when cases rise.
9: I think that people are just
5: like,
11: let's get this done, let's get this over, let's have you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and let's you know, solve this problem and have a safe space in our little bubble.
5: That little bubble, no matter how vulnerable now, has given families like the Bakers a shot at normal life and peace of mind even during the worst waves
0: of this pandemic. Paul Newton, CNN, Montreal. Now, As we continue on First Move, paradise lost or is it a case of paradise reclaimed? The Minister of Tourism for the Maldives joins me as the industry faces unprecedented challenges, but how are they managing to keep the borders open as they have since July? We've spoken a great deal about how badly travel and tourism has been hit. Now those imagine the impact on a country that gets two-thirds of its revenue from tourism. The Maldives was closed to overseas visitors from March to mid-July. The economic damage has been colossal. Now it offers packages, including working vacations, vacations for people who can work remotely. It also has in place a robust testing plan. Abdullah Massoum is tourism minister for the Maldives. The minister is with me now. It is good to have you, sir. I, I appreciate it. If we just take the requirement of testing, a 96-hour Requirement uh, 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 limit before departure from the first point of embarkation. These uh, pre-departure tests are complex. They're forever changing. And I'm wondering, what's the way forward for you?
12: Uh, Richard, uh, thank you very much. Uh, we are hoping the testing regime changes soon, but uh, at the moment, that 96 hours uh, kind of guarantees that uh, the safest destination in the uh, world, Maldives, is even safer. We get tourists from all over the world now, so with uh, 15 uh, airline connections from uh, different parts of the world, uh, we want to make sure that uh, all the tourists in different uh, resorts are safe so that 96 hours at the moment is good, but uh, we hope the testing regime changes and uh, uh, we can change it.
0: Right, but if I look at the latest numbers in the world now, of course, there are small in comparison to, to, to elsewhere. But percentage-wise, of course, if you look at the graph, you still are having a, a sizable spike at the moment. And as winter comes and the Maldives is, is an extremely popular destination, do you think you might need to tighten, never mind loosen, tighten the restrictions?
12: Uh, Richard, we are doing uh, extremely well. Uh, it has been four months and ten days since we started we have it over sixty seven thousand tourists and uh, the positivity rate even with the exit uh, screening we do it is as low as zero point two three percent and uh, thank god we haven't had any serious um, uh, case and right. uh, even those people who get a test positive they still continue their holiday we talk
0: a lot on these programs about travel and tourism How badly has the industry been affected? And by that, obviously, the ability of government to help is relatively limited. But do you believe there's permanent damage to your tourism infrastructure?
12: I think, uh, uh, Richard, as you rightly said, uh, our economy depends very much on tourism. And when uh, tourism stops, the country stops. That's why we started the tourism. That's why President Soli decided to start the tourism with necessary safety measures for the tourists, uh, staff and the community. The economic impact is huge, but uh, we just uh, had our budget for 2021 and uh, nearly 50% of that at the moment is on deficit financing, but we have got uh, ways to uh, get the financing done. And finally, if we do look forward to
0: next year, will your country be one of the first to require, either through Travel Pass, Common Pass or whatever, the, the, the certificate of vaccination? Because that's the answer. This time next year, do you expect every visitor will either have to have tested in or have a certificate of vaccination?
12: I think the Maldives geography, because of our geography, the Maldives is very safe. But uh, I think the vaccine is the way forward. The whole Maldivian um, uh, community will hopefully be vaccinated. That's the way forward. So our visitors are going to be uh, vaccinated too. Right. Finally, uh, I do think about a working
0: vacation, a workation. Now, lots of places are trying it. It's a lovely idea if you can make it work. Have you actually got many people who've set up for short term in the maldives and are working pretending they're being from in in the middle of manchester or berlin
12: the the maldives has been very popular and uh, many of the visitors we are having now they are staying even longer so we have uh, recently introduced the residency visa so the way forward is even uh, more more smoother now soon uh, richard you'll be able to lease a whole private island for your stay in Maldives that is the new amendment that is coming your way and uh, we are uh, also introducing uh, real estate tourism so the longer stay work in the Maldives I think that's the way forward and uh, now Maldives is offering various packages in resorts and also uh, the island communities where we have smaller hotels thank you I just have to convince
0: CNN that my workation needs to be in the Maldives. Thank you, Minister. I appreciate yeah, your time. And
12: smile. Thank Maldive you. And smile is waiting for you. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Now, we will continue this theme later in a special edition of Quest Means Business. We'll be talking. It's a two hour show, begins at the usual time of 3 o'clock New York time. Uh, I'll be speaking to Wavel uh, Ramkalwan, the President of the Seychelles, who has just recently taken office. In the meantime, after the break, the annual Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Well, it's a par- Hooray, Jim, but not as we know it. Major changes have made it COVID secure. Here New York, the annual Macy's Thanksgiving Parade, it will take place with major changes. The traditional two-and-a-half mile route has been shortened, and there'll be far fewer participants. Evan McMorris-Santoro is in Manhattan. Well, uh, the balloons will still be there in, so, in, in, in sort of, uh, but, but what sort of parade will it be?
6: Well, that's right, Richard. It's a very different parade than we're used to seeing. It is New York. It is Thanksgiving. There's still going to be a parade, even though it's raining and there's coronavirus. As you can see the boss baby's making his way uh, down the shortened parade route. It's usually a 2.5 mile route packed with spectators. But this year, because of the pandemic, they have shortened that route. They have done most of the parade is for TV only. A lot of it was pre-taped. And there are very uh, much fewer people than we're used to seeing. Only about 90% fewer people than are usually in this parade are out there today, including operating those balloons. Actually, a much smaller crews operating these balloons. But there's still some stuff to see. And there are people who've come, who have come down here to see it. I have a very festive woman with me, Megan.
13: Uh, now, Megan, you came from Philadelphia to see this. Yes, so, I did. So what do you think? I think it doesn't matter, coronavirus, it's pandemic, back. whatever. I'm just grateful to be here. Um, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is something that's been on my bucket list my whole life. I could remember watching it when I was three years old, my mom cooking turkey, and um, I don't know, like, just living my best life. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. I needed to be here today. Um, Hi, Mom. I love everybody. Hi, family. Well, let me ask
6: you, because you mentioned Thanksgiving. How does Thanksgiving feel this year? It's such a different type of Thanksgiving than we're used to. How are you feeling? How does it feel to you?
13: It does feel different. You know, there's so much going on in in the last year for 2020 for all essential workers, nurses, doctors, police firemen but um i think we're coming to like some kind of solution we have a new president coming in office a new vice president who was a woman you know like girls like me that sat in front of the tv like i you know like little girls could be the president you know we could dream we could have hopes dreams and one of my dreams was to be at the macy's thanksgiving day parade and here i am 2020. got it
6: well thank you so much so richard that's the kind of attitude we're seeing out here they, they worried about having this parade in the pandemic, but they didn't want to not have it. So they found ways to do it. And one of the ways is to have this smaller parade you're seeing on TV. People are still coming out and enjoying it, Richard.
0: Thank you very much. And that is it for First Move for today. I'm uh, Richard Quest. I'll be back with you five hours from now. It's Quest Means Business. Between now and then, whatever you're up to, I hope it's
6: profitable.